This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Hey everyone, welcome to Round Ball Stew. I am Matt Straup. It is Friday, October 15th, and today we will be doing our sixth of six. NBA Division Fantasy Previews, talking the Southwest Division, that means the Mavs, Grizzlies, Spurs, Pelicans, and Rockets. As we welcome in everyone listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube, I am joined by Ryan Knaus, Steve Alexander. Guys, as we sit here to record this, four days to go, I think, until the start of the season, it seems like this, Ryan, is actually going to happen. I think it is. Uh, you know, I got to say today, Matt, the, the intro music for the podcast was getting me a little psyched. Uh, I was I was feeling it, and I, I think I'm just excited for the start of the season. Most of my fantasy drafts have happened already, but I still have one scheduled basically uh, at least one a night going till, till opening night. Yeah, the, the intro music always gets me pumped. It's it's the best part of this podcast, actually. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Wow. <laughs> wow. That was a joke. But I do love it. I love it so much. All right. I'm always like, just, it's, it's trance, puts me in a trance. Uh, yeah, I had a big draft last night. It did not go very well for me. I wrote about it in the Daily Dose. It's the rock and roll, rock and roll league. And I had the 12th pick and just people were just picking my guys right and left, like right before I picked. It was, it was kind of annoying. LaMelo Ball went number seven in that draft. Stop. I'm not kidding. Wow. Yeah. The rock and rollers, aggressive drafting by the rock and rollers, it sounds like. Very. All right. Today, it's part six of our divisional previews. This was an idea that Raphael Johnson had, and I think it has worked out pretty well. We've done five of these the past five weeks. So if you missed him, go check it out. Raph, by the way, has been with us for all of these, but he has since moved to, I think, the Wednesday and Thursday podcasts coming up as we get out of off-season mode and into full-season mode starting next week, five episodes per week starting with the first full week of the season five. And Steve and Ryan, you will uh, both each be hosting one. I will be hosting Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You guys will be hosting Tuesday and Thursday. Yeah, so tune, tune in to see how that goes. <laughs> no, I, I kid. I speak for myself. I'm sure Steve, Steve will be a good, confident host. I, oh, you know. yeah. And, and for those two, the music actually may be the, the best part. We'll see. <laughs> That's what he meant to say at the top. Now to the Southwest Division as we get this preview started, guys. And we're going to begin with the Dallas Mavericks. Luka Doncic has jumped all the way up to number two in Yahoo ADP, mostly, I assume, due to Steve having done a bunch of drafts recently. Kristaps uh, Porzingis is going in the fourth round on average right now. Uh, I think his ADP is around 47 in Yahoo drafts. But when I look at the rest of this roster for fantasy purposes, Man, it is quite bleak. And I mean, I guess kind of similar to last year, but Steve, is there a single Mav you can get excited about drafting after Luca and Porzingis? Yeah, I actually got irritated last night when somebody took Michael. Uh, the only initials guy I have on my brain is MPJ. I don't mean him. I mean THJ. Tim Hardaway. THJ. Tim Hardaway Jr. THJ. <laughs> somebody took THJ 
right in front of me in like the 11th, 12th round, somewhere in there. And I really think Tim Hardaway Jr. has a chance to break out for the Mavericks this year. I've even read some talk of him maybe flirting with being an all-star. I don't know that I believe that that's really going to happen. But after Luca and after Kristaps Porzingis, I mean, he's really the next the next best scoring option they have. And the way Luca finds the open man, I think THJ could be sneaky, you know, late round value this year. Yeah, if the question was excited, then probably no. I, I did want to say about Luca's ADP. I feel like Steve, Doctor A. Alexander has market shifting power. Like the way that if, <laughs> if Elon Musk talks about a particular Bitcoin or Ethereum or anything, the market just sways. I feel like Steve's got some of that power, <laughs> and we're we're seeing him exercise it with with Doncic these days. But, I mean, Luca had 36% usage last season. That was tied with Joel Embiid for highest in the NBA. Of course, a lot of that is turnovers. But the point is, it doesn't leave a lot to go around in terms of just raw offense, especially when Porzingis is going to be north of 25%. And Kidd is talking about getting Porzingis even more involved than he was last year. So you're talking about guys who are basically catch-and-shoot guys like THJ. Uh, he can put the ball on the floor a little, but that's not really what they ask him to do. Same with Reggie Bullock, just spotting up in the corner. And then you have low usage guys who are going to score off cuts and putbacks and whatnot, like Dorian Finney-Smith and uh, Dwight Powell, who's supposed to start. So none of these guys are exciting because they just have low usage roles. They're not going to fill it up defensively necessarily. So suitable targets in the later rounds, THJ, maybe Dwight Powell has some low end roto appeal. You know, but who else is there? Dorian Finney-Smith, another kind of roto guy, maybe Maxi Kliber for block shots. But they have so many bigs that I'm avoiding basically the entire front court outside of Porzingis. Um, so a long-winded way to say no. Nobody I'm excited <laughs> to target. I am actually kind of excited about THJ. And as far as my power to move the needle on Luca, I haven't seen Luca go lower than second in any single draft I've had. So I don't know where these drafts are, where he's going six, seven, eight, nine, ten, but they're not in any of mine. And it actually worked out. I forgot that my son was in that draft with me last night. We were out. I was actually hosting trivia and doing two live drafts at the same time, which was interesting, but he fell asleep after school and never woke up and he got auto drafted Luca at number two because that's what Yahoo's ADP has him at. And his team name coming into it was Luca Magic. So Luca Magic is the proud rosterer of Luca Doncic. I love, Steve, that you started this episode off by being like, yeah, I had a draft last night. It didn't go great. And then six minutes later, you tell us that you were drafting two drafts at once while hosting trivia. It's like, oh, shocker, the, the draft didn't go well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it, it is surprising. I'll say quickly about THJ, points and threes, there's plenty of cause for optimism. He averaged 16.6 points and 3.03s last year. He's not, he's not going to kill you in percentages. It's just for me, the main thing is just the no other supporting stats to really speak of. And especially the steals. I think he averaged 0.4 steals last year. That's just devastating. I mean, I don't want to be too nitpicky, but 0.4 is actively actually hurting you in that category. <laughs> like if you tell me he can get up to like 0.8, 0.9, one steal per game, I think I like him much better as a late round target. But that is a terrifyingly low number uh, for a guy who plays that many minutes. The ball should find you. Just someone should randomly throw it to you almost you know 0.8 times per game it's very hard to <laughs> to have that happen 0.4 times a game i agree that's yeah. all i got okay good point now to the grizzlies the grizzlies my premise here with the grizzlies is 
you have to buy into one Grizzlies sleeper, DeAnthony Melton or Desmond Bain. Neither is also okay. Ryan, what's your pick? I'm going to go with Desmond Bain simply because I think Melton gets enough love around these parts. Jonas Nader does his best to ensure that. Melton's ADP is 144. Bain is 147 on Yahoo, so they seem comparable. Wow. But when you look a little deeper, Melton's being drafted in about half of leagues, whereas Bain is only being drafted in 10% of leagues. So just one more reason to look at ADP a little bit skeptically uh, rather than just buying into it right off the bat. But point being, Melton's upside, I think, you know, is obviously superior. He's a permanent monster. But Bain, per 36 last year, averaged five boards, almost three assists and a steal to go along with 15 points and three triples. Uh, He's 80% from the line. So, you know, he doesn't turn it over. He's not going to hurt you anywhere. And I think there's a good chance that he ends up in the starting lineup this season. Uh, His three-point shooting is exceptional. As a rookie, he shot 47% from the field, despite over half of his shots coming from deep, where he was 43%. Uh, He was the third-leading scorer at Summer League, hit 50% of his threes there. I I just think it's all shaping up for a very nice season for Desmond Bain as a guy who's only being drafted, and like I said, in 10% of leagues. Well, I've totally, I've been drinking the Jonas Nader, the Anthony Melton water. I like taking him at the end of, or late in most of my drafts. And I've been doing that. Like Ryan said, he's per minute monster. He's not going to hurt you anywhere. He's going to get steals. He's going to get occasional blocks and threes. He's going to get points, assists and rebounds. He's just not going to get a ton of them because he's, he doesn't play a ton of minutes, but you know, we saw John Morant go down last, last year for a couple weeks. when I think it was an ankle and uh, you know, mm-hmm. it wouldn't take much to, to put Melton in some pretty heavy minutes. So I, I'm more of a Melton, Melton guy than Bain. Pretty classic Melton this preseason. He's averaging less than 20 minutes per game, but also averaging 12 points, two steals, and two and a half threes per game. I mean, he really is the dream. Like, the dream is 25 to 28 minutes for that guy. I don't know if he's going to get it. I really don't. But I think it's worthwhile at the end of your draft to take him, and then if it's not working out, you can obviously just drop him. As for Bain... The appeal to him is, you know, because what we were just talking about, Tim Hardaway Jr., only a points and threes guy. Bain showed signs of maybe doing just a tiny bit more than Tim Hardaway Jr. in those other areas. Per 36 minutes last year, he averaged at least, well, he averaged five rebounds, three assists, and a steal per 36 minutes last year, which is not incredible, but, I mean, it's at least slightly better than THJ in those departments. So I guess I like Bain slightly better. Yeah, and Bain, you know, that was his rookie season. THJ is 29 years old, so... One guy has upside. One guy we know who he is. So this so is kind of turning into just we're slamming Tim Hardaway Jr. more than I expected. I'm <laughs> on this hey, episode, yeah, Steve, I, I was going to say Steve was Steve was backing him up. Steve drafted him last year though, and he was I'm pretty excited. disappointing last year. So Steve's you're getting back on the back on that wagon. Bounce back plus twelfth or thirteenth round. I don't. Who cares? Yeah, you're right. I mean, out. he's going so late. Doesn't really matter. Doesn't work out. You move on. As we move to our third team here the spurs if you listen to the podcast with any frequency you know that nothing brings steve to boredom quite like the san antonio spurs like just the mention of the spurs and he starts nodding off in his chair like he's he's just done so the premise here ryan is that steve has to get excited about drafting one spur so why don't you start let's make the case for steve and then we'll get his thoughts I just Dejounte Murray, Steve. Are we not? Are we not excited by Dejounte Murray? I mean, I think the ACL injury deferred his breakout, but it's it's coming. He took many more shots last year, averaged five more points than he ever had before, yet maintained the same level of efficiency. 
Uh, he didn't shoot well from deep, but if he can get back to 37% from deep like he did the year prior, that would just be icing on the cake. But the Spurs added literally nobody who's going to threaten him for ball handling and stuff. I mean, DeJunte and Derek White are set up very nicely to just be the leaders of this team offensively. It's also addition by subtraction with DeMar DeRozan gone. Now you have a high usage guy who handles the ball a lot, not in the lineup, and they replaced him with nobody really. I mean, Doug McDermott is just going to aid court spacing, which benefits both DeJunte and Derek White. So I just think they're set up beautifully. DeJunte could have a career high in steals. We just talked about the low steals, guys. DeJunte could get to two a game this year, uh, realistically. I just, I I love everything about him. He rebounds extraordinarily well for a guard. He's going to get you above average dimes. He's, you know, kind of the total package. As I said, if he can start to hit three pointers, that just puts him in another tier. Can you see the excitement on my face? I can sense it. I'm just kidding. Uh, I like DeJounte. I like DeJounte Murray a lot. Um, I've, I liked him last season. I uh, had him on a couple teams last year. Actually, the two guys that I, before Ryan got me so pumped about DeJounte Murray. Also, Ryan, I thought it was in your contract that you weren't allowed to talk about the Spurs without talking about Jakob Pertl. Uh, uh, we know that's coming. We know that's coming. I'm a little concerned that you made it through an entire Spurs take without mentioning Jakob Pertl's name. We'll talk about that off air later. But no, I before Ryan got me so pumped about DeJounte, the, the two Spurs I was most pumped about were Derek White and Keldon Johnson. Uh, Derek White, I think, is going to have a big role this year. As Ryan said, DeMar DeRozan is gone. I think he's really going to step up and and try to fill that hole and take his place. And I think Derek White has the ability to put, put up numbers in almost every category. I really think he's like a, a nice breakout candidate for this year. I think we we overhyped him last year. I think he's going to live up to that hype this year. And he was the first point guard I actually was able to get in that draft last night because people kept picking me off. But I ended up with Derek White, NAW, and Mike Conley, which for – for three late point guard picks, I feel like I came out of that okay. As far as Keldon Johnson goes, I feel like somebody's going to have to step up and score for the Spurs. I feel like he might be the guy. He's a little one-dimensional. He's, he steals and blocks are not his thing. Assistant rebounds aren't really his thing either. But I, I feel like there's a lot of room for Keldon Johnson to grow. I kind of feel like you get him at the end of your draft, he will be a pleasant surprise. Points, you'll have hollow points and threes locked down with Keldon Johnson and Tim Hardaway Jr. right next to each other in those utility <laughs> oh, spots. That's going to be awesome. With your late round picks. I can't wait. <laughs> uh, the one thing to add about DeJounte Murray is also, Ryan, as you were lauding all of the things he does well, there's also extremely low turnovers. I think he was like 1.7 turnovers per game. So you got to love that in a nine-category league. Uh, I am also on board with DeJounte. And I got to say, I'm I'm similarly stunned, Steve, that Ryan did not bring up Yaka Pertle. We know that Ryan, for whatever reason, absolutely loves this guy. And talk about a cheap source of blocks after the early centers go. Pirtle is your guy around nine points, eight rebounds, and two blocks per game last year. And he really seems like he's got, you know, maybe not all the minutes he can handle, but a really clear path to enough minutes to at least repeat that this year for the Spurs. The reason I, I am not touting him as aggressively is because people seem to have caught up to my to my take and his ADP is 85. He's no longer, I mean, in past year, like last year, wow. you could get him undrafted in most leagues. He was a waiver wire pickup, but now people are spending eighth, ninth round pick on him. 
that's fine. I think that's where he should be targeted, but it's not like a lot of value. So I'm not like, go get him. He's got a lot of upside. Plus, I've pivoted to Ivica Zubats has basically a very similar statistical profile. And yet he's falling multiple rounds later. Why? I don't know. Serge Ibaka coming off back surgery. All right, we're not talking about the Clippers. I'll stop there. But um, that's why. I just feel like there are other targets in that range or later. I can testify, just as Raphael Johnson is guaranteed to get Terrence Mann in every draft that I've done with him, I've seen Ryan pluck if it's his Zubats just like absolute clockwork in every single draft. There, oh, there's the Zubats pick. There it is. <laughs> Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. All right, two more teams to go. We go to New Orleans now. Things seem not great already for Zion Williamson, who, according to the Athletics, Will Guillory is set to be reevaluated in two weeks. Whenever we read the word reevaluated, I think it tends to give us optimism, but it doesn't give me optimism, really, because obviously that only means they're going to look at him again. They're not even going to look at him for two weeks and, and you know see where he's at. So for me, I think at this point you're absolutely drafting him at your own peril and you are certainly taking a big risk of taking him at or near his ADP of 28.8 on Yahoo that that is absolutely out of the question for me personally so I am eager to hear you guys thoughts on Zion as we move forward though to the other Pelicans I mean we've talked extensively about Nikhil Alexander Walker we all like him so I don't want to spend a lot of time there beyond those guys can you get excited about anyone else, Steve, on the Pelicans? Like, where are you with Zion? How concerned are you? And are you excited about any of the other Pelicans core guys other than NAW? I feel like you're poking the bear right now, Matt. Like, you you know <laughs> that I'm still not over my auto pick of Zion in 30 deep. It's possible. You know that I fell asleep literally for 40 minutes and got him at number 15. I mean, I had messed with my cue a little bit, but I literally was sitting there looking at that draft room for about 10 straight hours. And I was like, surely this guy in Australia or wherever he is, is going to eventually make a pick and I'm going to be able to go. I finally, like a kid, like a little kid who like stayed up all night and watched TV and then finally just passes out in the chair and you find him, find him the next morning because he, he snuck out of his bed or whatever. That's sort of what I was like. And I finally... Couldn't take any more. I passed out uh, like 10 o'clock in the morning. Woke up at 10.45 and I've got Zion. So, yeah, I don't feel great about it. He went at like number, he went in the third round of the draft last night. This whole reevaluating two weeks thing scares me. So, 
yeah, I I'm not messing with Zion in any other drafts, and I'm I'm probably in trouble in 30 deep because I got him. And then to rub salt in my wound, <laughs> Jared Johnson is talking to me. He's like, "Who should I take with this next pick? Should I take Najee?" Or somebody else. And I was like, oh, you should take somebody else. He's like, oh, you have Zion. I'm going to take Najee. And then you're completely screwed. <laughs> so that was awesome. Nice. Uh, Najee wow. Marshall is going to be playing a lot in place of Zion Williamson. I think he is a, a must-have fantasy player at this point. Uh, as far as anybody else on that team I'm excited about, I mean, I love Brandon Ingram. He's really broken out the last couple of years. I think Josh Hart has some potential. Of course, I love NAW. And a guy that I think is going to be the next Tyler Harrow or Duncan Robinson is Trey Murphy. Uh, he is a three-point shooting wizard that plays for New Orleans. And I'm kind of excited about watching him. I'm not really drafting him, but I think he's going to be a pretty good player. But as far as a sleeper to pick in New Orleans, I think it's Najee Marshall. Yeah, I haven't been paying enough attention to Trey Murphy, I feel like. that's. I'm glad you put that one on my radar. Got to keep, keep an eye on him. But in, in terms of like pure excitement right i think steve mentioned brandon ingram he's he's the obvious guy he seems to be kind of a forgotten man i think because of the zion thing but like we talk about Nikhil alexander walker far more than we talk about brandon ingram but ingram's still 24 years old like we don't know how good he can be and he's coming off a season where he averaged what five dimes i think and five boards Uh, that was a career high in assists last year Another guy with defensive stats, you know, you'd like to see them boost it up. But he averaged 24 points on 46% field goals, 88% free throws. Uh, He's basically a half steal and maybe a half a block from being a top 20 player. And like I said, he's 24. He's got all the physical tools it would take to get there. So I just love him. And he improved so much. Like when he was with L.A., he shot between 62% and 67% from the free throw line every season. With New Orleans, he's at 85 and 88 or 87.8 that's a huge change which you know speaks to the fact that he's obviously putting in a ton of work in the offseason his three-point shot has shown similar if not as as exaggerated but similar improvement so i just love what he's doing year to year i love the fact that he's as young as he is on a team where he could be the go-to guy if zion's injuries keep keep nagging him and keeping him on the bench Uh, it's, it's ingram's show yeah, Ingram's career high in steals. He's only been over one per game one time. That was 1.0 exactly um, his first year with the Pelicans. If you told me that Ingram was going to get like one point, this is why I don't think I'm very rational about Ingram because if you told me he was going to get 1.2 steals this year instead of 0.7, I think I'd be prioritizing him much higher. And I, I maybe am putting too much weight on, on that random half a steal. <laughs> It's kind of a theme of today. I'm really, I just get so annoyed by guys who are that far under one steal. But yeah, Ingram, Ingram, I think potentially is a, a great value pick just for all those numbers you cited, Ryan. And Steve, I got to say with Zion, I'm assuming what happened is after you stayed up for like 10 hours watching that draft, someone, there was like a run on Spurs and you got drowsy and you just went down and there's just no avoiding it. Yeah, yeah I think it was DeJounte Murray pick. Put me, put me, put me out. But uh, no, how dare you? <laughs> what about, what about, what do you guys think about Jonas Valanciunas? Like, you talk about a guy that we don't ever, ever talk about. I think the only mm-hmm. time I've heard any of us mention him, his name this year was when I think Jared sent me a note and was like, "Will you please put Jonas Valanciunas on your bus list?" And that's it. That's huh. like, what do we think about Jonas? I didn't mention him because. 
Matt used the word excitement, and he doesn't excite me. But I, I don't think a, a bust is is an appropriate label necessarily. Did you end up putting him on your bust list, by the way? No. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, but you know, I do see. I was a little more concerned, or will be concerned, when he's playing alongside Zion because I feel like the paint in New Orleans belongs to Zion Williamson, as it rightly should. Uh, and yet, that's where JV operates at his best. I think he led the league maybe in points per possession off uh, paint touches last year. So, like, that's where he feasts. That's where Zion feasts. Can they make that work with appropriate court spacing and rotations and so forth? So, that's a question that remains to be seen. And I don't, I don't necessarily want to target JV where he was last year while we find out. Yeah, I'm a little worried. Like, what whatever happened to Stephen Adams last year in New Orleans, hmm. the floor kind of fell out for Stephen Adams. He had, if you look at his career, I mean, it was really like the first year in a while where it's like, oh, Stephen Adams is like borderline not good in fantasy. After being so serviceable and solid for so long, his one year in New Orleans, I'm a little worried. Is it, you know, the Zion effect? You know, Zion, so many paint touches. I don't know, Ryan, maybe. But I'm not concerned about Valanciunas. I'm just not really drafting him. <laughs> and Same. by the way, I am drafting. I, I do think Steven Adams maybe is a nice total bargain in drafts as a guy who could bounce back. Cheap source of boards and blocks and steals for a big guy at the end of your drafts. Yeah, and his, his screen setting could be really good for a guy like, let's say, Desmond Bain. <laughs> well, you know, I, we kind of danced around it, but was Zion, Zion out of the picture for the beginning of the season and who knows how long? I mean, it totally changes the outlook for guys like Jonas Valanciunas and Brandon Ingram and Najee Marshall. Like, all those guys, everybody gets a bump. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Valanciunas perennially probably a little undervalued for a guy who who last year 17 points, 12 rebounds, almost a block per game, fantastic percentages, occasionally hits a three. I mean, there's a lot to like about his skill set as a fantasy big guy, so... I'm not opposed to drafting him if he if he falls to me and I need a big. And last point about New Orleans is last night, Devontae Graham, I think, went like the 11th or 12th round of that draft. And, you know, if you need a guy who qualifies as a point guard and is going to play a bunch of minutes, that's pretty safe if you can get Devontae Graham that late in your draft. I agree. It's not fun to draft Devontae Graham, but I think it could be one of those things that pays off if you're willing to take that hit in field goal percentage. Yeah, the only thing about Graham, as you mentioned, the field goal percentage, and then Zion was handling the ball so much toward the end of last year that right. another player, as Steve said, who benefits a lot in the short term was Zion out, but potentially you're going to see the best version of him for the first couple of weeks, and then he falls off. So I think that's why he's falling to the late rounds. All right, our final team to hit is the Houston Rockets. To me, there's a clear cut, you know, fantasy top three here. It's Christian Wood, Kevin Porter Jr., Jalen Green. Ryan, is there a guy after those three that intrigues you to draft in fantasy? Was that a sentence? I don't know, but you get the point. Yeah. Um, I'm going to jump right to Alperin Shangun, who ah, yes. is very exciting. I, I, you know, just looking at his stats while we were leading up to the draft and stuff, I was like, wow, this guy's got some, got some punch to him. And sure enough, I mean, it was comforting also to hear Jonathan Wasserman on our draft show, which you can check out on the NBC Sports Edge YouTube channel right now. Uh, Wasserman was very high on Shangun, pointed out that he was the MVP of the Turkish League last year, which was a very legitimate professional league. 
And in summer league, Shangun averaged 14 and a half points, 11 boards, three dimes, 1.3 steals, three blocks, and shot 38% from deep. Obviously, a handful of games, summer league, asterisk applies. But in the preseason, he's averaging eight points, six boards, three dimes, a block, and almost a steal. And he's doing it in 16 minutes per game. Mm -hmm. So we're seeing the permanent value. He's a young, you know, high upside guy on a very bad team that's going to develop young players, maybe very bad as a bit strong you can push back there if you like but point being he's gonna get minutes he's got upside i I love him as a flyer interesting uh just from watching the rockets in the preseason well obviously you you guys know i'm kevin porter jr bandwagon all the way but this josh christopher kid uh that would come in for for garbage minutes in in the preseason like looked really good i don't think he's gonna play very much for houston he's not somebody you should target in fantasy leagues, but if he gets in the game, he's, he's kind of fun to watch. I, I enjoyed, that was one of my favorite things about preseason was Josh Christopher. I don't like the log jam for the Rockets at small forward. You got Jay Sean Tate, you got KJ Martin, you got Dan Wellhouse. You even have Dan, David Nwaba there. Like if those three guys weren't all there together and there's only one of them, we could really get excited about Jay Sean Tate. I think we could get excited about KJ Martin, but there's so many guys. Same with the front court. Uh, Daniel Tice is going to play a ton of minutes. Sangoon's going to play a ton of minutes. And Christian Wood's going to play a ton of minutes. You take one guy out of that mix, and maybe Daniel Tice becomes a guy that has a good year. So there's not a lot of things I'm excited about in Houston. I I think they're going to be just – it's going to be crazy to watch their games and see how they do. They're not going to win a ton of games. But Kevin Porter Jr. and Christian Wood running the court together is uh, almost must-see TV. I share your enthusiasm about Shangun, Ryan, and that was the guy I had I had highlighted that I was excited about beyond those three for all the reasons you said. You know, Daniel Tice, sure, I think is going to be a factor and may even be a deep league draft target himself. But we, based on what we know about Shangun, he may not need a lot of playing time to put up decent fantasy-relevant numbers and at least be a guy who's showing you enough to stash on your bench while you wait for the breakout. That, to me, would be the big thing. Like, even at the beginning of the season, let's say he's getting 18 minutes a game or whatever – Hopefully he's showing you enough there that you're saying, man, let me just keep this guy around because second half of the season, I know this is probably coming. And I agree with you about KJ Martin as well, Steve. He would be so much fun fantasy-wise if he could get the minutes per 36 minutes last year, 14 points, eight rebounds, a steal, 1.4 blocks, 1.23s. A very fun skill set, but a guy that they don't seem to be prioritizing as more than like a bench piece, it seems, Ryan, at, at least at the start of the year while they're fully healthy. It's kind of the impression I get, but to speak to Steve's point, that's why I'm kind of hedging my bets on all these guys, because we don't really know how that rotation is going to play out. There are too many healthy, viable bodies there. Like, even if Daniel House is, I believe, in a contract year, and he's a veteran, he's probably going to fall out of the picture sooner rather than later. But how do Jay Sean Tate and KJ Martin both get enough minutes in a rotation that's already somewhat crowded? So... I'm not aggressively targeting either of those guys, but if you want to pick up Jay Sean Tate in particular in the later rounds, I like that. You know who I'm not excited about in Houston is Eric Gordon. <laughs> like this has to be hot take the end of, end of the line. Yeah, no, thank you, Steve. Steve draws the line there. A, a huge points and threes only guy this year. Steve will not be pairing Eric, Eric Gordon <laughs> with THJ and Keldon Johnson. That's the line. <laughs> Okay, that's going to do it for us. 
on this preview, our final out of six divisional previews, as I said, check out our past ones. They've been every Friday if you want to look back. I think there may be some useful advice there, even going back uh, five or six weeks. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We're back next week, as I said, with episodes Monday through Friday. Ryan and Steve into the host chair on Tuesdays and Thursdays. I'll be here Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And as you get ready for your drafts this weekend, check out the NBC Sports Edge draft guide for rankings, projections, and much more. Thanks, everyone, for listening on the podcast and watching live on YouTube. Steve, Ryan, thank you both. Good luck to you guys in your drafts this weekend. Good luck to all of you out there in your drafts this weekend. Goodbye, guys. Thanks, Matt. Go Braves. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.